I can't be too soft. Does that make sense? Because then I'm somehow not, I lose sexual currency. And that internally has led to many ways is related to my singleness, I think, in some way. And my struggle has been to say, I'm going to be that. That's who I want. That's who I am. And there is a real masculinity and strength in that way of being. And take it or leave it. Welcome to The Full Stop, a childless podcast and online community with Sarah Lawrence, Berenice Smith and me, Michael Hughes. Our podcast delves into the many reasons as to why people are childless and we hope that with all our special guests and the discussions we have will help you craft your own narrative as we all learn together. Now if you'd like to be part of our inclusive online community, just jump over to our website www.thefullstoppod.com where you can find out all the information and you will hear people mention Chester in this episode and this is a reference to many of us meeting at the Storyhouse Childless event at the Storyhouse Theatre in Chester, UK Now this episode is also our contribution to International Men's Day but of course seen through the lens of being childless as we explore the provocative by design question why is no one talking about childless men? So let's meet our panel of guests. So thank you everyone for joining us and welcome to International Men's Day 2023. And today we're going to explore the question, a, quite a provocative one. Why is no one talking about childless men? And today we have with us uh, a, a great panel of guys um, who most I've met and Don is, I'm yet to meet you, but that day will come. Uh, so rather than me rattle on, I'm going to introduce you to the to the guys in the panel, and then we'll crack on with answering that question. So first, Jay Palmer, who are you and what Hello. do you do? Well, firstly, thank you for having me on today. And um, it's uh, it's been amazing meeting you guys um, at Storyhouse and then St. Pancras when we hooked up and stuff. Uh, I'm Jay Palmer. Uh, I'm a musician, uh, as you can probably tell. <laughs> so I'm a guitar player. Um, I do this full time. I build guitars, build amps. Uh, I teach music. Um, I also have a YouTube channel where I post a lot of my music and gear reviews and things like that. Uh, I'm part of the childless community. Uh, my wife and I are. My wife is Bindi Shah. Lots of people know Bindi in the community. And um, she's introduced me to the community um, over the last few years. And it's been just wonderful actually getting to know everybody in the community, becoming part of it as well. Um, I'm quite a half, a glass half full kind of guy. So I'm quite positive about everything. So it's been interesting interacting with everybody and also uh, contrib starting to contribute a little bit to this whole um, question about childlessness as well um, and just really looking forward to um, interacting more with everybody thanks jay i'm um, great to have you here um and all the way from california west uh, west coast america at a very early time in the morning we have don please who are you and what do you do hi everybody my name is don and uh, it's good to be with all you guys again i've been 
out for a while, but it's good to see you, Michael and, and Russ, uh, especially. Um, yeah, I'm in California. I am a, a marriage and family therapist. Uh, I've been doing that for about 10 years. And I came into this community because I, when I turned about 53, it became apparent that um, I wasn't going to have children. By that, I mean that I'm um, childless, not by choice, because of being uh, single, not being able to find a life partner. Um, everyone told me, you know, hey, hang in there, guy in his 50s, good stuff, you're in your prime, you know, you could still so-and-so. But it, when I turned 53, it just became, um, I don't know, just more real and apparent that it, 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 it just didn't make a lot of sense uh, to try and have children uh, for a number of reasons. So um, I'm 59 now, and I think I'm, uh, I don't feel a lot of pain anymore when I see a young man with a, with a child, for example, playing. Uh, I don't feel that tug that I used to. I used to have to kind of walk away a little bit. Um, but so when I see that same scene, I don't, you know, you feel a little bit of that sorrow, but it's not as strong anymore. So still continuing to go through the grieving process. Um, but it is definitely um, an experience that I have to keep to myself, especially with my family. Um, it's just, if you don't have any children in a Filipino family, I should mention I'm an uh, immigrant uh, or son or eldest son in an immigrant Filipino family. Um, in that context, it's a real pronatalist culture. So my story just is, mostly the questions I get, so Don, how's work? And then it just sort of dies from there after I answer it with one question. Um, because we don't know what to talk about other than the children and how they're doing, uh, things like that. So um, this community has been real important for me to just have a place where I can be seen and feel seen and uh, be taken as a whole person. So good to be here. Thanks, Don. And um... We have Russ from Melbourne. So, Russell, who are you and what yeah, do you do? Everyone. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I'm doing all right. It's it's eight it's eight o'clock here. Poor old Don. It's two a.m. in the morning. So um, he must he must be tired. Uh, so yeah, my name's Russ. Uh, I live in Melbourne, Australia. Fifty four years of age. Uh, my uh, childless, not by choice journey started back in 98 um, at the age of 28 with my wife and we went through uh, assisted reproductive technologies uh, initially up until about 2006 and then we did one um, one final uh, abortive effort in um, 2012. I've probably got to the point now where I'm um, relatively at peace. Uh, with that, uh, if you can take out Father's Day, Mother's Day, Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, uh, and everything else where it um, pretty much gets posted on pretty hard by um, the marketing gurus. Uh, other things, uh, paramedic by trade, um, currently looking at moving into the uh, family violence space as a specialist there. Um yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of things here that need to be discussed, and I'm looking forward to. Thanks, Russ. Um, and we have Mike Sparks. 
So again, Mike, who are you and what do you do? Good morning, everybody, and thank you uh, for welcoming me to this uh, group this morning. Uh, yeah, name's Mike Sparks, um, 65 years old, live in Hertfordshire in the UK, 30 years as a uh, stockbroker and fund manager. Following that, I ran a charity for five years, and subsequent to that, I uh, mess around in antiques, in particular uh, uh, antique and period lighting, so I've got the right surname. Um, my... Um, the, the story of ending up as being childless, it wasn't something that really bothered me in, until I began to get older and it was really turning 60. I saw that as a bit of a, a milestone, really. And that's when it kind of really hit me and more from a uh, from a point of view of who do I leave things to and, and, uh, and stuff like that. And ended up in this situation following a failed, um, well, I say failed in the end, surrogacy arrangement with my first wife uh, which tragically ended in a, uh, a miscarriage and um, that sort of brought the whole world crashing down for quite a long time. Um, as I say I have really suffered with this as I've got older and it's about legacy and, um, and being surrounded by lots of friends and family all who have children and sometimes just feel completely excluded and just not part of it. So joining, finding, as I did, and stumbling across Mike's great group, uh, Mike Mars and others who've been involved in doing it. Has, I've really engaged with it. I've met some great people, met most of you. I look forward to meeting others again as soon as possible. I've had a great time in Chester. Uh, we'll be there next year for sure. And um, that's about it, about me. Anything else you want to know, ask me privately. All right. Thanks, Mike. And lastly, um, but not leastly, the capo de capo, the Don of Dons <laughs> of my childlessness, we have Robin Hadley with us. So, Robin, um, people should know who you are, but just in case they don't, who are you and what do you do? Okay. I'm Robin Hadley. I'm a raggy-ass kid from Old Trafford in Manchester. Uh, I've got a minute, so seven seconds a year to get through. Um, and that's five seconds going to go in really (laughs) so I'm a working class uh, lad and I'm a jobbing academic I think at the moment Um, my route into childlessness is uh, one through circumstance and part of the circumstance is me and I was quite shy Uh, I'm seven of the seventh youngest of eight kids and uh, I'm also um, congenitally deaf. I was a birth trauma and that left me with um, 30% hearing loss in both ears, which has got worse as I age. Um, So when I just smile at you, the chances are I have no idea what you've said. Um, And what happened? I got married when I was 26 and I was doing an okay job as a university technician, a scientific and technical photographer, not brilliantly paid, but steady, very steady. And then 29, uh, we got divorced. My wife was younger. She changed job, moved in with a younger crowd. And we went after, after being in sync in what were plans, reproductive plans were, we went out of sync, uh, 
then and I kept the house and there was a economic crisis. The mortgage rates went up and I really didn't go out for about two, two and a half years as I just tried to keep the payments going and then eventually managed to sell the house, moved back to Manchester and uh, got in well with a, a really nice woman. And at one point she said, you know, I want to have your babies. Uh, but the relationship broke up. And then I met my wife just before I was uh, 40, and she's a few years older. And although she had wanted to have babies, she didn't, when now she was older, she's a healthcare professional and uh, knew the risks involved in that. So it's a choice for me then of uh, what to do. And I remember thinking, well, who would want me, apart from this woman here who's brilliant and, and batting out my league as it is? Um, so, but where would I go? I'd have to look for somebody 10 years younger. There's a generational uh, thing there, I think. Uh, and so I chose love. And in my mid-40s, my job was on the line because digital technology had come through and outsourcing in um, universities. So the writing was on the wall. And I trained as a counsellor and... Uh, I did that mainly because somebody said, oh, I think you'd be good at it. And also you could do it in small blocks. And each block I did, I thought, well, you know, I'll fail here, they'll find me out. And they they haven't until I've just admitted it now. Uh, and I got a PhD in the end um, in social gerontology, which is aging, sociology of aging. But in the counselling in my MA, because it was counseling, it had to be something you had experienced. And I was really broody in my in my 30s. And uh, my supervisor said, do that. And that's when I found out there was nothing about men, um, really about men's experience and how men felt. Uh, so after that, I did an MSc looking at the levels of broodness because it's assumed women are broody and men aren't bothered to see how true that was. And it's not true. And then I did my PhD looking at older childless men on the impact of childlessness across the life course and that's me I'm here now with you and I'm very lucky to be here with you thank you for that opportunity this opportunity oh it's really good to see you Rob really good to see you of course it is (laughs) (laughs) all right okay we'll just move right on from that one so the the genesis of this this topic came from, um, for those who don't know, there was a quite a large gathering of childless people in Chester in the UK last month, um, and the podcast was invited to go along. And um, one of the things I wanted to bring to that was um, uh, the childless men's voice, but didn't quite get there We because we were still deciding what to do as a podcast weeks before we got there. But what I did do with preparation is I put a a poll into the childless men's community and asked them, do you feel excluded within the childless community? And the results that came back, as I said, uh, were quite interesting. It wasn't a large sample. I have to, I have to say that, but the two things that came back was some felt that they were excluded. They talked about language um, uh, particularly about what they see when people are posting, the, they would see that it is childless women. That um, was by far the, the biggest thing that they had seen in terms of language. 
Now, many felt that they weren't actually excluded, but men aren't well represented. So when it came to some of the things that um, they felt contributed to these answers was that they don't know how or what to say. They're not prepared to put themselves out there for fear of being a target of ridicule. There's an imposter syndrome, which I interpreted as, am I really allowed to grieve as a childless man? And one of the most interesting one was, no one's interested in my voice. And when I when I, you know, thought about that, I thought, how how sad is that? Now I can't say that's my experience because I've obviously immersed myself into the childless community, and and I I don't see that, but I can totally understand why some men feel that way. And so, I would like to hear, yeah, hear your guys' opinions of that. So let's start with. Do you feel excluded in the childless community? And let's start with Russ. Um, look, I like you, I suppose, ever since um, you started the group up or I came into it after your ABC um, interview. Uh, I, I don't feel excluded in a space that is a men's space. Uh, it seems like in that place we have a voice and we um, we have some very healthy dialogue. We we talk to each other and we uh, we try and help problem solve. It, it, there, there is a dearth of conversation outside of those men's spaces, um, and it, it's it's one of those things where I believe um, men being men, we're at times our own worst enemy. Um, the the lack of um, willingness to have those conversations and also the lack of willingness to bring those conversations into the general public. Um, there's issues with feeling of, feelings of shame, inadequacy, um, not a man if I can't have kids, that sort of thing. And I, I believe that, yeah, that... <sighs> It's it's yeah. There's there's definitely a, a level of exclusion there. Um, whether it's actively done or whether it's um, ambivalence, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't think it is actively done. I don't think there's that sort of malice out there, to be honest. Um, but I think there's a level of ambivalence involved in it, um, or apathy. One of those two things. Yeah. Thanks, Russ. Don. Um... When I think about this question, I think about something you told me some time ago where I remember you approached a, a group in the United States because you were looking to create a network of childless friends. Um, it, it was a women's group and they, mm-hmm. they well, they didn't allow you in is, is, I guess, the best way of explaining it. And so when I think about exclusion, that is that episode that we talked about some time ago comes to mind. So I'd really like to hear your opinion of that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel excluded? Um, hmm. I, I do remember that conversation and I've had ongoing conversations with the, uh, I guess the, the women's community. And I, I've even sat in like once in a while, there'll, there'll be 
sessions where it's kind of a, a meet and greet and it's sort of open, if you will, not just um, limited to women. So I've jumped in and been a part of like a, a little meet and greet of about 20 to 30 women. I'm usually the only man. Um, and honestly, I've, I've felt, uh, I guess, excluded in the sense that the groups are specifically for women. So I've I've said, look, there's I can't find a men's community out there yet. So would it be possible to join one of yours? And I think they um, thought about it carefully and then perhaps felt a little uncomfortable or weren't quite ready yet to have a diverse group. And so was was gently um, said, no, they're, they're just for women. On the other hand, when I sat with the, the group at, as a whole, I felt very um, included in the sense that the women were very interested in my story as a man and were really grateful that I was there. Um, I think many had partners who sometimes they wanted to understand a little more, male partners perhaps, and were eager to just get any kind of male experience just to feel a little bit included in the male experience in general. Um, so I felt included in that sense, very much so, but I did feel disappointed um, that I couldn't just jump into any group right away. I, um, so I, I then thought about it more in terms of, you know, why, why do we as men struggle to have a group of men to start off with? And it sort of kicked off in that question. So um, so I want to be careful there because I, I did feel really, I've talked to several leaders and hosts of um, some of the platforms and they have been incredibly um, warm and inviting of, of me as a man, just in general. But there is, a, the, the groups are gender focused, yes. So... No, thanks for that, Donka. That's that's a nice balanced view, which I think is important to bring into this conversation. Um, Jay, what what would be your experience? Really interesting question on, on a number of levels for me, because uh, oh, I'll explain in a second. But do I feel excluded by the community? No, personally, I don't, because of my experiences. My initial experience with the childless community in in terms of meeting people was when Bindi took me to uh, Fertility Fest a few years ago. And it was for a men's talk. So um, there was Benjamin Zephaniah and uh, Rod Little um, who were doing um, their talk. So there were very few men there, but I didn't feel excluded by it. And Storyhouse was the, the next experience that i had again you know the, i think bindi was a little bit um concerned that i might feel a little bit out of my element because it is predominantly women there but i actually found it absolutely fine and i think that's more of a reflection on on myself and where i am with uh life and just my outlook and stuff um and the context which I was going to mention earlier is just uh, my background. You know, I'm I'm Indian. I'm Indian heritage. Um, I obviously have long hair. I've 
been like this since I was about 16, 17, 18 years old, which wasn't the done thing in an Indian community. <laughs> so I've experienced exclusion from that perspective. Um, I also uh, experienced it from the perspective of the music I like. I'm a rock musician. So um, throughout the years, I've experienced it at various stages um, in, in terms of that. So there's the ethnicity, my likes, my music, etc. But what wrapped all of this up was I was a very shy person. Um, I'm, I would like to think I'm a very gentle person as well. And this is something that I've observed within the community when I've met uh, men in the community. So when I was at Story House uh, in Chester, hanging out with yourself and um, Andy Harrod and um, a bunch of other people, one thing came to mind, which was like, these guys are really like me in terms of I'm quite a gentle person. I'm not really a, a shouty alpha type of personality. And I think, and, and I felt that that's something that um, is one of the reasons why we feel excluded. Um, because sometimes uh, some of us have lived on the fringes. We've not been the, the ones out front the very outspoken people. There's been a change in how I feel over the last uh, year or two, and I'm just more confident within myself. So I'm able to just be myself. I, I don't feel excluded by pretty much any community now. It does kind of like, you know, poke a little bit sometimes, but it's only for a brief moment. And it's just taking stock of where I am and knowing that there is a community out there that um, is inclusive. We're here today. This is, this is inclusion for me. You know, even if it's on a small scale, it's not as big as the, the, the women's community, granted, but it's a start. And it all has to start somewhere and grow from that seed into the tree, you know, only with our effort us doing this, us talking about it, us being here and saying to the world, hey, we're childless men, we're, we're, we're partner, we want to be part of the narrative, we're just regular people, we want to be your friends, we want to be kind of like interacting with you guys. I think that will help it to grow even more and then the exclusion will feel less and less as as it grows. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate that. I'm leaving you till last, Rob, because I'd like to get your opinion on on how your research sort of reflects what the guys have been talking about. So, Mike, what would be your experience? Um, there, are, there are certainly many times that I feel an exclusion in society in general, and I think that, and I completely agree with um, with Russ on this, that, it, that it's ambiguous, it's, it's not intended. It's, all, it's, it's almost like an, a complete ignorance of some people to the plight of, of uh, childless men. Um, it's a complete non-recognition and it, it can make me quite angry at times because I, I, so much of society is geared towards people with children, just about every economic forecast you'll see from a, a chancellor, no matter what his 
his political persuasion is will be geared towards the family. So much of the tax system is geared towards the family and people with children. And you know, we were all children once, weren't we? So you know, we acknowledge the uh, the importance of uh, of helping the young to become adults and responsible and law-abiding adults, hopefully. But I find that when I get involved with groups of friends, whether it be that at a club or in a bar or at a restaurant or meeting old school friends, etc., so much of the talk is about their children and now getting to my age, their potential grandchildren. And I can be sitting there just thinking that I've got nothing. I'm not really interested in this after just a, you know, a few basic facts. Um, I certainly can't contribute and I'll, I'll wander off. So I do feel exclusion without a doubt. Um, but within this group, and may I say how pleased I am and, and how much it's helped me to find this group, this total inclusion, um, and I think I mentioned it to you, Mike, when you very kindly came to see me last week, which was great. Um, one of the strongest things I got from the, the story house gathering in, in um, Chester last month was, and I, I went with a completely open mind because I'd never been before. I'm relatively new to the, to the community. Um, so I, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect anything. I just went with an open mind. But when I came away, I realised just how buoyant the whole atmosphere was. Like everyone else that was there, I met lots of people. Um, and it was it was it was a real uplifting experience because there wasn't, as one might have expected, um, sadness and downbeat. It was very upbeat, and in that. Um, I, I I feel total inclusion in this group. And Jay, you mentioned that um, there, there is so much that goes on about childless women, and rightfully so. And that, but this is a beginning. It's going to take some time, but this is a beginning. Um, maybe we're maybe we're beyond the beginning now. Uh, we're, we're motoring through. But um, I'm very very interested and, and committed to uh, uh, to being involved in making society not only in the UK but across the globe much much more aware of the plight of childless men so in society I feel excluded within this group I feel very much included and hope that we will in the long term achieve that objective thanks Mike I really appreciate that and yeah it was good to see you last week it really was. So, Rob, how does how does the responses so far um, reflect from the research that you've done? Well, first, uh, thanks, lads, for sharing. It's really moving to hear your accounts and how you feel, and you you fit in in a way that we all don't fit in. <laughs> If you get that. Uh, Yeah, definitely there's been a lot about um, women and childlessness, and there's lots of sort of sociological reasons around that and uh, how societies develop. Um, And really, one of the things around that is why there's no social narrative for men around it um the the narratives around men are around about 
uh, virility, but successful virility, um, not only biological, but economic, social. So how is a man supposed to be man? And how is a man measured, I guess, is the thing. How are we measured? Uh, and I very broadly, you could say women are measured by their external, their internal validity, uh, their existential uh, internal validity through reproduction, through motherhood, and that's very strong. It, social culturally depends where you are in the world, whether it's out there very direct and very structured, or I think more in the Western side, it's more over, it's hidden a bit, but it's still there as an underlying structure. And for men, we're sort of measured by what we do, and that's outside. And where's the narrative then to be inside? And I think that's where the struggle is um, in society. There's no narratives for us to occupy, or very few, and we're making that narrative now with our stories and being out there. But some things I was writing uh, down that now I can't read. But about being in a group for men, I think generally, what do we talk about? It's stuff outside ourselves. It's football. It's music, what people are doing, what I'm earning. To be in a group and go, actually, this is what I'm feeling inside. Well, uh, when I was counselling, I soon found out not to say uh how are you feeling, which is like the standard counselling question to men, because you could see them struggling. Well, how am I feeling? How am I supposed to feel? And that, that's been put in them to be a disconnect from very early age. Uh, so I used to say, you know, what's happening inside? Rather than use the word feelings. And then they'd go, oh, well, it's this. Um, and generally, uh, if you said... Uh, well, what about mm, this fella? Well, I'm not like that. Um, but that's great because then you can go to, well, what are you like? And Or usually they go, I'm like this. So it's uh, sort of identity by difference. Whereas I think for women, initially there tends to be a little bit more, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. And then the difference comes in later in the conversation. Um around that I'm wobbling here but what I'm going to do uh, is read a poem I wrote after my MA actually because I think it encapsulates everything that the guys were saying and it's called Something Missing A conversation ended before it began scattling thoughts of coulda, shoulda, woulda, dada the latent maelstrom of the non-man there's something missing holding a life-wide gap breathing wallpaper I am whole and incomplete there's something missing, first to be left behind, first we sent in, this line is incomplete. And that was from the guys I interviewed. And the key phrase there is something missing. And there was something missing inside, but there's also what we're discussing is something missing socially as well. And we're, we're filling in the, the something missing, I hope, I think. I hope that makes sense. No, it does. Perfect sense, Rob. Thank you. I'm going to take us off on a different tangent a little bit now. We've talked about do we feel excluded? I think there's also – so one of the things that Russell talked about was that we need to take control of this and we we need to turn up. 
where's blokes need to turn up in the community and i would say the community as a whole also do we need a little bit of help to actually get that space find that space from the greater childless community so one of the things i think about is recently i was told um in the UK by a woman in our community that she says that being around so many childless men has reinstilled her faith that there are really nice, good guys out there. That really, that yeah, really struck home because the flip side of that was at child at Chester, we were given a question when we did our session uh, which started off around the language of, and I won't be able to do this exactly, but around the language of, you know, men out there dicking women around, dicking women around. I think that's the way that it was explained, as if to say that. Um, sorry, what it did for me was made me squirm in my seat because um, I just felt that we were. We, as all men, were getting painted with that brush of all men are bastards. Now, I'm going on to extreme here, and I'm being provocative for a reason, so I can elicit some you know, some really good responses. I would be interested to hear from you guys about what would it what what do you think it would have taken for you to turn up to claim a space in the childless community? as a way of inspiring other men who will be listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. In, in When we look at that response that I was given where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm waiting for childless men to turn up because they are really nice guys. You know, it's really still, you know, faith in that there are good guys out there. Who would like to respond to that? If I, if I've understood the question, you know, it, it's about what, how do we encourage more childless men to claim their space and 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 speak up. I think um, I don't. I, I do know other childless couples. Um, I really only know of one for sure where the childlessness is not by choice. And that character is well. They're both particularly good friends of mine. Um, but he's a very very alpha male, and it just doesn't seem to bother him at all. Uh, that couple have gone on to do all sorts of exciting and different things in life. They really have. They're completely welded at the hip. So um, I don't think a, a chap like that, he better name nameless just for, for the sake of, um, of, of security, et cetera. Um, but I don't think he really needs any help. He's just comfortable with it and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, I feel that um, it's important if, if you feel somewhat crushed by your childlessness, and I think it goes back to the answer to my first question, I think society can inadvertently make you feel like that because, as you were saying, Mike, you, you, you can feel that you're not, you're, you're not, you failed, that you're not a complete bloke, um, and it still is to a certain extent a bit of a blokish society, particularly amongst men. So I would urge be anybody listening to this who feels that they have some uh, some negative experiences and emotions about being childless. Probably, actually, the first thing to do is join join the the Facebook Childless Men's Group because you'll find it so, so supportive. Uh, there'll be there'll be plenty of people out there with similar emotions, if not identical emotions, 
you'll certainly get support if you feel that you you'll need it and certainly from my own point of view it actually pushed me on to get involved with pushing this forward so i, I think it's important if you feel so inclined and you have the competence to do it to go out there and stand up and, and put your hand up and say yeah i'm childless and uh, i'm a childless bloke not by choice and actually, do you know what? It, it doesn't make me feel very good. Can I tell you about it? And if they don't want to listen, then that's a shame. But, but move on. And, um, yeah, stand up. Be proud about it in a way. Thanks, Mike. Um, Jay, what would be your response? I'll think about this for a second. <laughs> I've been <laughs> contemplating it for a couple of minutes. Um, I think my response would be to say to these people or, or these men, the community as a large, there are people out there who care, who want to hear your story. I think a lot of the time that's what stops us from engaging with uh, people or, or communities for a specific reason. If we know that it is a safe space, if we know that people are going to listen, um, then we're more inclined to actually engage in that. So over the last uh, few years, I've been hearing about um, all of you guys from Bindi, my wife. So to come and meet you wasn't an issue for me because I'd heard about how lovely everybody was and I'd heard about how the community was and how they spoke about their childlessness. Yes, there's a grief element to it, but there's also an uh, uh, an element of of helping people, and that helped me to actually then say, okay, I'm going to come and see what this is all about. I grew up very, very shy, painfully shy, um, which which is a kind of it's at odds with what I do. You know, I'm a musician, I'm a YouTuber as well. And the thing that YouTube has taught me over the last 10 years of doing it is I have to be in front of a camera, you know, speaking to people and being myself. And over that time, I've become comfortable with doing it. But I do remember that initially it was scary to do. I was putting myself out there and not knowing the response I would get. That was the scariest part of it for me. Uh, if I had known back then that the response would be absolutely amazing from people, there were really good people out there and there were um, people who were going to support what I do and like what I do and um, be nice about it, then it would, would have made it easier. And I think that helps me with a lot of things. That's the thing that I keep in my mind now. Uh, I'll always look at it from that perspective that there are actually people out there who do care sometimes it takes a, a little bit of time to find them and um, this community for, sh for sure you know is very much like that I feel you know I I feel like I, you know if I needed to um, have a call with you Michael and talk about something which about childlessness then I could do it it would be very very easy for me to do that and that knowledge helps me a lot, I think. And I think that can help other people. And it's something that I try and do when, you know, when I was at Storyhouse and when we met at St Pancras as well, there were some people there. I decided to go and engage with them. I, I went over and said, hey, how's it going? 
um, this is who I am and get to know them and uh, interact with them, engage them. And then they felt comfortable. And it was interesting because, you know, made new friends as a result. And I felt that they came out of their shells a little bit as well as a result of that. So um, for me, that's an important element. Thanks, Joey. What about you, Don? Um, this is, a again, a very complicated question, Michael. Um, I'm hearing the missing. That was a beautiful poem, Robin, on what's missing. Uh, and that I'm hearing kind of the, the misandry or, that we sometimes face. Um, and then trying to reclaim your space. Um, uh, I guess I can, let me just try to answer it from um, a, a perspective of a, a single man. I think that I grew up in a very patriarchal uh, culture where men were actually uh, elevated, but for their, uh, for their aggression, for their um, willingness to be quite alpha, to use your word, Jay, in the sense of uh, not being sweet, not being tender, not being that soft male, quote unquote. So I developed this sort of exterior of trying to develop social and sexual currency through those ways, being successful status, money is how it's usually played out in my culture for men. And then that's supposed to then give you the, the, the currency to then have a wife and have children. And so my journey has been uh, to actually reclaim that other part of me, um, that missing part of me, which is that that part of me that is quite shamed in my culture and particularly in in dating. So I'm always like, when do I, you know, I got to leave with being confident, but then I also have to be careful about not being too confident but then I don't want to be too soft. Um, and I find that, at least in my culture, I just speak to within my culture, since that's what I know, that that internalized uh, misandry or that, that kind of hatred of softness is very generalized, but not just limited to, to men, but to women too. So a lot of the women, and they want that, well, speak too generally. In my experience, I can't be too soft. Does that make sense? Because then I'm somehow not, I lose sexual currency. And that internally has led to many ways is related to my singleness, I think, in some way. And my struggle has been to say, I'm going to be that. That's who I want. That's who I am. And there is a real masculinity and strength in that way of being and take it or leave it. But that's, you know, I, I don't want to be this 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 thing that I've been prescribed to be. So that's been very costly for me. Um, and my struggle has been to hold on to that voice, even in the face of childlessness and singleness. Um, and then, of course, grieve the fact that I have to cherish and value that part of me alone for the most part. Um, and, and Bernice, you mentioned something a while back in one of our podcasts that was really powerful for me, which was that you know, you take the hits and then you have to go back and kind of like reconsolidate yourself if you don't have a community, right? So you take the hit and then you have, it takes all this energy to like refine your center and then you come back out. And that can take so much energy that you're just spinning in that. 
And so I really relate to that, you know. Um, but so anyways, that, that sort of doesn't quite answer your question directly, Michael, other than to say, yes, I, I do experience a struggle to come out, but particularly in this area of my of who I am as a man. Uh, thank you, Don. I don't think you're alone. I, I think there'll be many men that will get some that will resonate with what you said. Um, and it, it's important because being single is is a very big cohort within our community. Um, so thank you for that. Um, Russell, what would be your response? What was the question? Um, sorry. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's been too much, really. There's been too many good comments. It's sort of hard to keep up. It was something that Robert said for me, um, and it brought me to that place. Uh, the, the, the one place where I probably feel uh, the most excluded uh, for me would be my workplace. Apart from the fact that I work with a predominantly younger workforce, probably 35 and under, a lot of prospective or current parents, uh, and it's a it, it's a common a common topic of conversation. And I know, Michael, it's something that you uh, put forward to the Diversity Council of Australia, um, and of course you caught them short because they went, "Oh, we haven't thought about this." Um, and it was something that we started to uh, put forward uh, in the diversity space. Uh, within uh, my workforce and it's something we're still pushing um, and this is probably where my feeling of ambivalence from others comes from is we constantly there, there are a couple of us that constantly put it into that space um, on workplace or other places which workplace is a work version of Facebook and um, the absolute lack of response uh, to anything there. I, I put on, uh, th two or three of us put on uh, posts about uh, world, world childlessness week. We put on uh, other information and that sort of thing. Um, and maybe got one or two acknowledgements. Um, and I, I I think that space there, now that's, that's, that's from a, a, a non-binary point of view um, and if you add to that the even lesser uh, impact that um, being male has on that uh, it, it's yeah it just seems to be that there's a lack of interest from anyone who's not involved in this uh, it's, it, I know we can look forward to 2030 when a larger percentage of the population are going to be us than them and the marketing people are going to have to start looking at the childless community, otherwise they're going to start losing money. Um, but that's not where we are now in 2023. And um, I, I wonder how we make that change, how we get people to take up uh, that message. It, it seems really unusual. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Rob, so from your your work, um, how was that? fitted in how, how these responses fitted in with your research again uh lovely responses and very deep and very moving so thanks uh guys it is difficult to 
say, this is me, particularly, I think, for men, because our deflector shields are put in as, this is me, I'm a whatever job I do, I'm a fan of whatever. It's all outside. So to come inside is and reveal it. Um, the woman who wrote Handmaid's Tale, whose name I've forgotten, said in another book, you know, women fear murder and men fear humiliation. And I think there's something around that. Well, that's been put in us by society. We're all born with broad stuff here, the same emotional response. So what happens that men find it difficult to talk and find it difficult to reveal what's happening inside for them? But there is more coming through, definitely. We are making a difference. And it could be that the shakers and the movers, particularly in the media, there's a generation coming through that reflect our experience. And on their reflections, as they journey through their careers, are realizing they're part of this group and therefore um, the situations and our stories and our experience are starting to get more exposure, I think. Uh, I think from Storyhouse was sold out this year for the first for, for the first time it's on for next year. There's definitely more interest. I think I've noticed in one or two films that childlessness is raised by characters. So there's a groundswell coming through. And in terms of policy, like I said, in HR, in this country, there's definitely a recognition that actually we need to include, it needs to be inclusive of everyone, not just those who have reproduced. Berenice and Sarah, I'd really like to hear um, your thoughts about what's been talked about so far. I have so many so much I've written down. I know I've, I'm seeing Sarah scribbling notes down too. There is so much to unpack here. The first thing is just to thank you all for this. It's been absolutely wonderful to listen to and so informative that, that you know, from the point of view of knowing most of you or well, the privilege of knowing you in different different ways for quite some time now through um, the work that Michael's been doing and uh, Chester as well, the privilege of meeting some of you. There's still so much, I think, for us. I feel I've still got so much to learn from all of you. <laughs> See, my desk is a swathe of notes here. Sarah, let you read out all these notes and, and that's not going to help at the moment. I just need time just to unpack it a bit because there's a lot here to, to, to think about. Going back to the question you asked, Michael, about the... Well, it's about the question, wasn't it, at Storyhouse? around we were for for people that weren't there i think the question correct me if i'm wrong michael was um from a lady who asked about men being in the community um and there was a an allusion to perhaps safety for women mm. Um, mm. guys oldest men in the community and i could i could feel the discomfort coming off you michael with that question it, it i really sensed there was like Ugh. What do I say? And I think, I think I said something along the lines. You, again, I can't remember what I said specifically, but I think I mentioned that actually, there's there's work for us to do as women uh, individually 
if we've had um, experiences with men that have left us feeling not safe around them, and I include myself in that, I've done a lot of work around it. But I think I also mentioned the fact that actually, and it kind of goes back to, forgive me, Don, what Don was saying about male identity, being soft and masculinity and all that stuff. My my experience of men in this community has been that all of the guys that I've come in, into contact with have been very self-aware, obviously are not your stereotypical alpha male. Um, I don't know whether we'd get alphas in this community. I don't don't know enough about it, if I'm honest with you. But it, there's a sense that actually through having uh, this experience of childlessness, whether coupled or not, it changes you. And I think that's kind of how women experience it too. So you talk about the outside and the inside. For me, my identity completely changed as a woman because I was brought up to say, right, I'm going to be a mum. And I I imagine for you guys, it's like, oh, you're going to earn this amount. You're going to have this job. You're going to have this many children. You're going to be this virile. And I think it impacts all of us, regardless of gender. Our identity completely shifts in terms of how we turn up and who we are. And I'm really struck by, at the moment, the sense of not completely knowing how to rock up, perhaps in this community or outside it. And I, I, that's kind of the sense I got from this conversation today. There's not a vocabulary. There's not an identity. There's not really a thing that you can go, kind of grab onto. And I, your controversial question, Michael, was how have I, how have I contributed to that? And I think my experience was that when I went Googling, when I was struggling, the first thing I came across was gateway women. And I was like, well, that feel, that's a great start for me. It feels safe because I hadn't done my work on myself and men for me were still dangerous. Uh, and that, that meant that it was safe and it made it a, a good place for me to start. But actually, I invite these conversations and I, I love the fact that our community is, is diverse so that, you know, we can all have a conversation about it. But I, I, I hope that answered the question that you uh, you said you wanted provocatively uh, to put out there. <laughs> Which is kind of yeah, bias. I was completely head in the sand because my other half was not quite so for him having a child would have been the icing on the cake. In a previous unsafe relationship, it was just messy and was inappropriate. So I had a a bias against the fact that I suppose I just thought it was only Definitely only women that were childless because I hadn't clocked on to the fact that actually, of course, there's childless men. It wasn't until really, actually, to be honest, Michael, I met you. And I thought, oh, hang on. Because actually I hadn't known any men who had spoken or had said, I'm grieving childless. And the interesting thing is that since my other half met you which was only really you know that this year a couple of weeks ago he started to think maybe i better get engaged with this maybe this is this is important this is yeah to the point where he's going i think i want to go to story house next year and that's big because actually he said he wasn't grieving so i think for me yeah it was it was shameful 
I'm ashamed to say ignorance. Oh, thank you both for that. I know that couldn't have been easy. But, um, yeah, look, and, and that's I, – I really had no expectations about that question. I thought it would be a great quite great question to just elicit what we've, we've had today. Um, Brilliant. You know, and you bring up the fact that, look, as as the custodian of 325 men's stories now, I think it is, I know that there is a lot of grief out there. The boys – the boys in the community here know there is a lot of grief out there. My dream, I have a dream, would be that this conversation actually brings us all together so we can support each other, so that we can support each other in turning up. Because I do That's feel quite I do feel quite emotional about those responses that those guys gave in that poll because I just thought, fuck, it's so sad. And listen to you, Don. But how you struggle with with your identity, you know, how are you supposed to turn up, you know, to but but at the same time trying to achieve what you want to in life, you know, it really hits hard, you know. So um oh Russ has got his hand up. Thanks for saving me, buddy. <laughs> uh, it's uh something that Sarah said, and I um it does make me wonder. Is there an intersectionality there uh, between uh, the acceptance of men into that um, that women's space because of the prevalence of violence towards women from men? Um, and we give women a safe space to uh, feel comfortable away from that. And, you know, there, there's, as we know, intersectionality comes from so many different, we can think of it with with Don and his cultural issues and also with Jay, um, all these things come in one on top of the other on top of the other. Do we need to be looking at our, our dialogue or our monologue, what we do as men, uh, to take responsibility for that part of what's happening and make ourselves available, I suppose, and available in a, a non-confrontational way? And, and yes, the people in this conversation where we are at the moment, that's who we are. Uh, the, men, the This group of men are that way inclined. Um, but the statistics show that as a subset of the species, we're not. And that comes back from so many other uh, concepts which are impacting on us now and our childlessness, which is toxic masculinity. It's the alpha male fantasy, the you know, all these uh, elements that come in to stop us from feeling capable of engaging with each other um, and talking about this uh, in that way. And, yeah, sorry, uh, I, I, I'm on my soapbox and I'll try and get off. Um, but, but, I, but I wonder if that is something that's worthwhile uh, engaging with, that, that sort of that barrier. Uh, of how we get more inclusion in that space um, by making ourselves more available uh, on an emotional level. Well, thanks, yeah. Russ. I, I like the way you put that. Jay had his hand up. Jay, what do you got for us? Such an inter interesting part of the conversation because it reminded me of something that happened right after Story House, which was uh, Bindi and I took a little trip. We, we went up to see one of my friends uh, up in Chester, 
sorry, not in Chester, in up in um, uh, Lancaster. And um, he had a realization that night, and I had a realization that night about just he, he felt that he he lacked or he had not supported me as much. He's a very good friend of mine. He's one of my closest friends. And he just kept apologizing and saying, I had no idea. I should have asked you. I should have talked to you. I should have engaged with you more. I had the realization also that, well, at the at that time when everything happened, I was um I had to stay strong for myself and also for Bindi because we were in a relationship and she was going through her grief and one of us had to kind of keep it together I took it upon myself and kind of compartmentalized the grief so when I spoke to him I was like you know what it is what it is and I'm okay with it and stuff and reflecting back on that it was from that perspective of well I better keep it together because right <laughs> if we both fall apart then it's it, it's going to be not good for the both of us um and uh i've lost my train of thought i've i've just gone down robin's route now <laughs> no <laughs> I'll, I'll gather my thoughts again um but uh sorry what what, what was the line of just remind me of what, what what the line of um you were talking about the here. good friend and and how you both had a realization that um yes yeah he said he should have That's supported you more and you had a realization that yeah I, I was just wondering about the general what what we were discussing pre previously uh what the question was or uh which berenice and um sarah had um uh raised um that's talking the... about how we could all sort of about um the threat that men can oh. generally pose to women and then how russ challenged to the point of right. how do we change that how can we bring about change so there's safe spaces as well thank you for that berenice i, I remember very welcome not a problem <laughs> it's really it, the conversation it's it this just to let you all know it is a conversation so don't really have to answer the question rabbit holes are absolutely fine it's like being well, down the pub well i was going to liken this to my work as a musician because um i was um i was at music china last week which is an enormous expo it's a music fair uh i was playing for one of my endorsers and i had to be on stage with a guitar by myself in front of up to about 50 people at a time just with their cell phones going like this <laughs> you know it can be extremely scary and i remember the first time i was on stage and the first few times it was extremely scary because you're putting yourself out there and as human beings, we want to be in a safe space. So for us to actually put our emotions out there as well, it's very, very similar. The feeling is very, very similar. How do I actually, you know, um, take this first step to actually say to people, especially as everybody else has been mentioning, um, within societal constructs, I can very much relate to dom's journey as well because um indian society is very similar you know it is the men are supposed to be very strong very kind of yeah, go-getters and you know bring in the the money and have good jobs you know um uh, i wasn't always a musician 
I, I actually, um, I've, I always loved art. I should have actually become um, an artist or an architect or something. But thought process in my mind, even from a young age, was no, I, I need to go into a profession where uh, I have, uh, where I'll be revered. So I became a lawyer initially, and I did that for ten years, um, and I basically put aside the artistic stuff for that time being in order to kind of try and make the same journey. So eventually when I met Bindi, um, I was doing music as a sideline and she said to me, just give it a try, just start teaching. If it doesn't work, go back to being a lawyer because I wasn't happy doing that. It was extremely scary to do that. And I think that's, something that we're, we're all going to experience that initial stage of actually coming out and um saying you know what this is who i really am i am an emotional person um i cry sometimes you know i get really upset sometimes and things aren't great sometimes i have shit days and as men we're not really supposed to talk about it but we we do talk about it and if when we have really really good and close friends who are understanding um, I'm very lucky that I do. Um, I can talk to that them. I can talk to them about it, and then they can talk to me about it as well. And I think we need to. Well, hopefully, we can bring that to the childless community as well, and help people feel comfortable. Help men feel comfortable with saying, "I'm here. Uh, I'm not doing too good today. You know, this is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on inside." I'll, 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 unmute, I'll unmute myself and thank you, Jay. <laughs> and Don, you've got your hand up. Uh, thanks, Michael. Uh, I just had to follow that, Jay. Appreciate you sharing your story. A lawyer, I would never have guessed from your background. I love the fact that you're not a lawyer, at least for the short term. I can relate because I, I was uh, an engineer, the whole thing. It was a long struggle to become a therapist. Um, and also just wanted to weave back to acknowledge, Michael, that moment when you drop down into something very poignant for you. And um, just it's a, I just wanted to slow it down there because I don't want to interpret your sorrow or sadness, uh, but I do know that it's hard for me to get there if other men don't get there. Um, so it opened up for me also um, a, definitely a sorrow and a sadness for my father, for the men in my life, in my community who I cannot, I simply, it's its just simply unsafe to bring these parts uh, to them because I will be hurt. I will be brutalized if I do. Um, so that's just something I'm going to have to live with. But it, it is a like a feeling of not belonging uh, that I, I grieve all the time and then have to fight against. Um, and then, uh, so the, the vision of it, that you, you're casting, Michael, of a space where we are, we belong based on who we are rather than our categories, single, childless, or married, or with children, whatever, is a, is one I long for, too, is what I, I'm trying to acknowledge. Um, and then I just wanted to touch on what, what both Jay and Sarah said, because um, I think, Sarah, you were talking about being cracked open, that uh, we had a previous identity. 
mine was very much um, trying to be an alpha male. It was toxic. I really want to name that I was aligned with this sort of shunning of single people in my first identity. I had several single aunts, single uncles uh, who had no children, and I was very much a part of um, not talking to them about their lives and trying to become something that would make sure that I wouldn't become, quote, like them. So I was part of that excluding and shunning in my first identity um, as a patriarchal male, seeking status, seeking money, et cetera, et cetera. And um, um, part of that identity, because I was shutting down major parts of myself as a man, so as a man, when we when we do that and we lose connection with that, how do how do then do we feel alive? Well, for me, it was possessing a woman and children. That was my bypass to to the to the deeper work. If I could just get that plus the house, then I would be the the, the identity would be complete. Um, and many of my so for me, the identity that I hold on to now today now that I've lost all that, is that my singleness, my childlessness, how can I put it? It's like there's not, there wasn't a room for two babies in the crib. I had to rescue myself first and my own identity. Um, and now that I have cracked that open and I'm slowly working towards reclaiming uh, those parts of myself that I had hated along with my community and pushed to the side, um, to me, that's the essence anyways of like, first of all, just being whole, but second of all, fathering, uh, mothering, eldering. Uh, it, it comes from that place. And so I don't know how to describe it. So that's that's the piece that I'm holding on to, that the loss was for that reason. Because, I, because you know, I could have had, even if I was lucky enough to have had children, I, I would have been transmitting this awful thing um so I, i'll i'll take that i'll take that new identity is what i'm trying to say and thanks don i'm, I'm really i'm really pleased you turned up because i knew i knew we'd be getting something profound from you today thank you mike sparks you had your hand up yeah i did um you know the 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 title of this gathering today is uh, Why is No One Talking About Childless Men? Um, from everything I've heard today and, and my experiences, and I think you, you'll all agree that um, it is well known that it, it, it's accepted that being childless as a, as a female is such a devastating thing because there is that motherly um, instinct in the vast majority of, of ladies. Um, but from my schoolboy school biology, it takes a male and a female to create um, a, a, another human being, um, no matter what circumstances, uh, which processes you go through, whether it be IVF or whatever. And, and that means that the, that urge to be a parent is is and can be just as strong from the male as it is from the female. And therefore, the pain suffered and experienced and the anxiety and the emotions 
when that doesn't happen is exactly the same too. We really need to create that space that this group is trying to do and others as well to give to allow men to come into as well to express that and I, I feel that very strongly it's the same no thank you mike appreciate that and and robin you would agree because a lot of your research is based on the fact that men are broody uh absolutely i'm off mute fantastic um <laughs> Uh, yeah, in my MSc, I, I did that uh, thing, uh, looking at levels of broodiness and found they were very uh, similar, which isn't, su- well, the surprising thing is it's not acknowledged very much anywhere, really. But if, you know, if there is a species with a male and a female, and either one of them wasn't interested in reproducing, then the species wouldn't survive very long. Um, and so what's the advantage around denying men get broody want to reproduce and why is it all around women there's all sorts of reasons um uh, for controlling women for the motherhood mandate uh around that i i think the interesting thing about that study was the the levels of jealousy and anger um and depression were higher for the men than they were for the women uh the childless men and the childless women in that study it was only a small study so you can't go too deep into but it's indicative of actually that lack of narrative socially for men to occupy and that they they can't express themselves or find it difficult to express themselves and I just want to read something. Uh, for, there's a political scientist in America who wrote a book in 2006 called uh, Reproductive Masculinities. Her name's Cynthia Dan- Daniels. And she puts, but only through the recognition of the vulnerabilities of men can gender injustices be transformed. We must see and believe evidence of male weakness and vulnerability. We must see and recognize men's intimate connection to human reproduction. And I put on that, you know, I advocate a change in attitude towards men and boys facilitated through the acknowledgement that the biopsychosocial complexity of life that is applied to everyone is also shown to men. Um, Men are people too, because I think there's quite often men are just categorized of almost not being people, as in feeling messy chaotic uh, beings which I think we all are and um, I'm going to go to another poem I think if that's okay with you guys go for it yeah okay it's called No Candle and it's about the live course and no candle to light, no cake to cut no nappy smelly, no teeth to keep, no hand to squeeze no stories to read no surprise to fame, no place to see, no shoes to clean, no sport days drama, no parties to peace please, no presents to buy, no amends to make, no scrapes to clean, no kiss it betters, no tears to dry, no hearts to mend, no, no embarrassment to give, no graduation photos snapped, no can you help with this, no now empty nest, no grandchild to hold, no legacies to give, no one to call, no one to catch the fall, no wishes heard, 
no lived life described, few tears shed, no candle lit. Thanks, Rob. It, Thank that you. certainly does um, you know, encompass that whole life cycle of what it's like to be childless. Thank you. And so I think we should probably draw, draw, draw this to a close because we're now on to nearly an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> but I, I, for me, again, I had no expectations. I wanted to ask the provocative question, and it's it's been really interesting to see how we've pretty much all come to the same place where – we're we're finding comfort in us being together. We are accepting who we are. And I really, really do hope that um, particularly other men can identify with us uh, and, and get some inspiration, some strength and some, yeah, some willingness to show up into the childless community. Because as we know, people are waiting for us to, to, to turn up and um yeah i i really want to thank you all for today it's been amazing um berenice sarah do you have any last words before we hit stop record just want to say thank you thank you for your candor and allowing us to listen in really it feels like a privilege to hear a conversation amongst a bunch of guys that as you say you don't usually show what you think you're thinking or feeling um i really chimed with the conversation around having to be strong my husband was having to be very strong so I still he's still a, a nut to crack as it were so thank you for sharing really appreciate it I need to echo Sarah thank you I think there's so much more that we can do together and I'm looking forward to being part of that story with you and thank you for your honesty and your emotions and thank you Michael for being a brilliant host you've done brilliantly thank you thanks Bernice yeah, oh, thank t- you Michael thank you for listening and a huge thank you to our guests for their time and wisdom. We will continue this conversation in the future, because in the words of Berenice, there's a lot to unpack here. And don't forget, we welcome you to our full-stop online community where you will find companionship regardless of how you identify. And you'll find all those details at our website, www.thefullstoppod.com. And don't forget to find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Oh, sorry. X. We would greatly appreciate if you enjoy our content to leave us a review and rating, and this will help get the podcast out to more of our childless community and in turn allow them to not feel so isolated. And as always, it's important for us to let you know you are not alone. Thanks, guys. Oh, and tell Tigger that I'll be looking forward to that hug at, at Chester next year. <laughs> I will let him know. He said he was very comfortable in your presence. Thank I you. I think he'd be very welcome within your community too. Thank you so much. Thanks again, everyone.